Welcome, everybody. It's Draft Politics. We're back. It's episode 39. It's been a long couple of weeks. Sorry, we've been away. Some scheduling issues, but we're back, ready to cover some some good stuff. I'm EJ, and with me, as it, always... It's Steve. Uh, yes, uh, we've been promising that we were going to do uh, an episode focused on the local election and getting you all those details, and we're ready to get that started here for you. Uh, so let's start talking about judges. I mean, as much as I would love to talk about some sub-circuits, and everybody knows their sub-circuit, I'm sure, I think we got to talk about national stuff, man. Are you some sh- things I, happen. I mean, really? Some I don't think there's happen. much going on, honestly, but... Uh, I, I mean, I hey, your, your call. It's fine. Yeah, I, it's think, fine. I think we probably Whatever. should. Maybe and we'll this, do that next time. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely the next time. We've got that. We've got that in the works. But I don't think anybody sort of predicted what would have happened in the last couple of weeks. I know we kept saying like, look, we and we when when we were talking about when to record, it's like, oh, well, we'd have to South Carolina, maybe maybe in between in that interregnum period, but maybe after I, all of the things have happened. In the last 10 days. Yes. It has been absolutely, it's not even 10 days. We're only a week out <laughs> from South Carolina. Yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, we're going to get to election going goings on. Uh, but first, we're going to start with the national news. And literally the only thing to talk about in national news is, of course, COVID-19. COVID-19. And the best tweet I saw about this being, you know, in tech is that, it's scary for a lot of us because it kind of looks like a Jira ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I saw that going around. <laughs> so. And if you have no idea what we're talking about, that's probably for the best. Uh, but yes, uh, something you don't want is a Jira ticket or COVID-19. Yeah, so we've been talking about it. We've been talking about you know what's happening in China and the response there in South Korea. But now it's sort of on the U.S. shores. And now we get to watch what we all anticipated was going to be a very coordinated, well-thought-out, science-driven approach yes. to the response yes. here. And so we knew that was definitely going to be working out well because the first thing that happened was Mike Pence was put in charge of it. Whew. So uh, a little, little background on Mike Pence's previous uh, work in terms of handling uh, virus outbreaks. Uh, there, was a, there was an outbreak of AIDS in Indiana while he was governor. Mostly due to needle sharing. Yes, yes. And uh, so the, the, cri- the uh, correct prescription for that problem would have been needle exchanges, um, and, but state law prohibited it. And as it turns out, as governor, he could have in, you know, created a state of emergency and said, we need to do something about this and set up needle exchanges. Took him quite a while to get around to that. Um, there was only one testing center in the entire state of Indiana that they closed that, and it was closed down due to funding cuts. Uh, eventually, there was enough of an emergency that he then declared the state of emergency. Uh, but in addition to setting up needle exchanges and the testing center, also criminalized possession of syringes for you know purposes of injecting drugs uh, and setting it up as a felony with two and a half years in prison. So. You could go to an exchange. However, there was a chance that somebody might arrest you for doing so. Right. And let's also be clear <laughs> that he said his change of heart, he says with air quotes, was not because he spoke to scientists or epidemiologists who kind of said, look, this is a real problem and you could solve it. But it was several prayer sessions. Yes. Which, 
look, I'm, I don't fault somebody's faith. But again, when you're looking at looking for a science-based approach to things, you yeah. don't really want to start with somebody who... Right. I, 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 let an outbreak break happen. I feel as I feel qualified to say this as an atheist. God did invite or did invent science, so you know, you could do that too. <laughs> it's okay, but anyhow. Uh, and, and I mean, and if yeah. you saw the press conference where Mike Pence was announced yes. as running this, actually maybe he was given the job because he's the one who looks most like a Q-tip. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, they wheel him out there. Along with people from the CDC and, you know, and nobody knows who's in charge because the guy from the CDC is like, yeah, I'm in charge. And then Mike Pence is like the president's like Mike Pence is in charge. And then Donald Trump just walks away. Yeah. Like he just peaced out. Well, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't want to have to be in charge of this because, you know, it might go badly. And so better to say, oh, Mike Pence screwed it up than to possibly I mean, it take is that going hit. badly. But well, yes, we'll get to that. Um so, yeah, so, uh, but, you know, in spite of handing things off to Mike Pence, you know, Trump, of course, can't help but say things about what's going on. Um, so he's been downplaying the overall seriousness of it, saying that the, uh, the death rate uh, is likely to be less than, a, less than 1%. And basically he had a hunch. Right? Yeah, he had a hunch, right. And, uh, you know, it's like the flu. And, but not well, very bad. You should go to work. A lot of people are going to work. They just yeah. get better. Well, and it's like we, we've seen a lot of fluctuation in terms of the numbers. And, and part of the problem is we know how many people are dying from it. We don't know how many people are actually infected with it. Right. We know, you know, once somebody gets to the point that they're actually at a hospital or if they've been tested. But we, you know, like Korea has a very high rate of infection, presumably. But because they're testing, they actually know. Right. If they didn't test, they wouldn't know. Therefore, the numbers would look lower. Yeah. And this is the statistics are funny this way. <laughs> exactly. And when you have to compute a percentage, you need to know both the numerator and the denominator. Yes. And we don't really know either. Yeah. So we, have, we have a we have a slight sense of the numerator. The denominator is a bit yeah. more of a mystery. Well, and we can't ramp up testing. There was a an attempt to start testing, but the first attempt failed because the tests were bad. Because we refused to take tests from places like Germany. And yeah, there were there was a, a, a set of test kits that were set up around the world. Um, our CDC was choosing not to use them. It's unclear why uh, the ones that they put out there weren't as effective. Uh, largely, I gather, because they were having some false positives for other things. Um, and so they, there was an initial shortage, and they've been restricting who can get tested, which means... Basically, originally, they were saying if you had contact with somebody from China or you want a flight yeah. from China or whatever, then you could get tested. But otherwise, if you had all of the symptoms, you still couldn't get tested. Right. And I think a lot has changed. So if you look at the outbreak in Washington state, which it appears to be the worst there. Um, at this point, yeah. At this point. Um, and again, yeah, and, and this is like having a, the tests are like a flashlight. So there's a lot going on until the tests get into different yes. areas. I, I suspect that the San Francisco Bay Area is going to have right. a much higher like, incidence. Imagine you're, you're, you're in the zombie movie and you've got your flashlight and your flashlight sees a zombie and, and you're like, ah, and then the lights come on in the room and you realize there's an entire room full of zombies. Like, we don't know. Is it a room full of zombies or is it not? I'm not suggesting COVID-19 will make you a zombie. Okay. I wasn't just, sure. Just to clarify. Yeah. But, but, I mean, like Washington State, they already found 
you know, several people who had no direct exposure to people yes. who traveled. Yeah, and I saw a, a personal account of somebody who was uh, somebody who has some uh, immune compromised issues with like I don't know exactly what her situation was, but works at a healthcare facility like for senior citizens. So not the person you want to be going to work if they have yes. COVID-19. Has the symptoms of COVID-19. Wanted to get tested. Spent hours trying to call various health officials, whatever, to try to get some confirmation as to, you know, basically that you want to get tested so she know whether it was safe to go to yeah. work, et cetera. Um, could not get a test. They said, we aren't testing it you yet. Well, and local health officials couldn't test at all until recently. Yeah. So the CDC was saying everybody, they had to do the tests. Yeah. Um, and I think that that anecdote, well, you know, I appreciate that it's an anecdote. It does highlight the problem with the messaging coming out. Yes. Right. So if the president's like, ah, you're fine, go to work. And really the best guidance is probably don't go to work. Yes. Don't infect other people, yes. especially in a facility like that. And that's actually where the outbreak in Washington started was at a was at a care facility, was at a rehab facility. Yeah. Um, like that's Yeah, and the thing it's is just exposing like exposing people who And they've don't done analysis to. around that of like based on kind of I don't know exactly the details of this, but basically the the number of people who would have had to have been infected in order for that to have happened was like in the thousands. Right. Like that there are people who haven't been tested, but like in order to get it passed around would have required yes. that. So yeah, yeah. with the R not as it is. Yes. Um, good old Arnott. Good old Arnott. Um, so one of the, the interesting things that I, I saw was that the county executive of King County, and that's the, the county where uh, uh, Seattle is, he bought a hotel to quarantine people in. Yes. Okay. Okay. Maybe too little too late, but, uh, you know, in, in Washington, they're not even talking about trying to trace and see how people have been connected or how they've infected well, people. Well, I think at it's, this point, it's probably irrelevant. It's too late. I mean, yeah. it's like it's already out there. So it, now it's a matter of trying to contain people, like if they're infected, making sure that they aren't spreading it. Yes. Um, to that end, um, Kudlow, uh, Trump's advisor, was on CNBC, as he often is, and was drunk, as he often is. I mean, I, mean, I don't know that for a fact that he was drunk, but if you listen to him, he sounds pretty drunk. I mean, I hope I, I almost hope that he is right. I, right. I um, hope that's not how he is. Just totally. Yeah. Totally on level like that. Just, I can. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. So he was out there saying, you know, oh, you know, people should be going to work like no, 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 they shouldn't. Uh, oh, because this is all based on reelection. Yeah. So if the economy suffers. Donald Trump and his crew believe that. The only the only case he has to be made to be reelected is if the economy is, quote unquote, good. Yeah. And you can't even fake it when the Dow loses two and a half percent or something in a week. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So uh, that's most of the government response. Oh, also, uh, uh, Esper uh, was telling the commanders uh, of our military to not take steps to protect the troops from COVID-19 without approval from the White House. Like, if there was, like, a local outbreak or whatever, like, don't start taking any action because, you know, there might be some PR consequences if, you know, the military is cracking down and, you know, trying to isolate itself. Like, that's, that's the thing that's so 
frightening about all this is that they're very clearly much more concerned about the news of right. the virus rather than the virus itself. Than the reality. Um, you know, and I have to say, like, watching all of this unfold, I feel like in most administrations what we would see is, you know, the president coming out and basically saying, look, you need, there, there is a real risk here. Remain calm. Here's the thing, the steps that you should take. Here right. are the things you should not be doing. And, you know, not pretending it's not happening. Right. Um, because everybody, like, you can't, you can't fake news this. Like, it's not like, you know, when people are dying. I mean, you know, and granted, the, the, the figures here are still fairly low, but all the trajectory of this is not good. <laughs> no. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I guess I will say that, you know, if we look at China, the incidence rate has gone down. Yeah, so because they've been trailing. like engaging in aggressive efforts to contain things. Like you have video of cities where there's like literally nobody walking around because they're all yeah. staying at home. Um, you know, and so that's where where we may get to is like it's just going to be like, hey, we need to in order to calm this down. And and you've seen this during like you know major flu outbreaks, you know, in the past or whatever. Where it's like, hey, we're going to cancel school for a few days to just let this settle down so nobody's spreading this around. Um, but that has to, but. There has to be some action to do that. Um, and it doesn't seem like that strategy is going to be coming from the very top. No. So it's pretty much reliant on individual states to make those decisions at this point, which, you know, people can cross state borders. And so who knows what's going to actually happen? Well, well and I think that this is this is one of the, the things that we are all struggling with and, and none more than the people in these institutions right so in the cdc in in the departments of government that you know exist beyond administrations knowing what level the science starts is important yeah because people get caught in these you know somehow the partisanship versus the truth and the reality are separate. And so what do you do? It happened at, you know, it happened with Noah earlier, you know, with, you know, with like, is the, is a hurricane going to hit, you know, Louisiana or Mississippi? Like, oh, well, just Sharpie Gate. Right. right? And now it's happening with the CDC and uh, Health and Human Services. Yeah. Right. When you have, you know, the, the head of Health and hu- Human Services is a former pharmaceutical lobbyist. Right. Not a scientist, and he comes. You know, he's parroting the, you know, he's parroting the messages from the White House. Yeah. You know, he's waiting for Trump to make something up, and then he's got to repeat it to yeah. try to make it true. Well, uh, yeah, and it's like, even if at this point Trump came out and turned head on into this and was like, you know, this is actually a problem, and here are the things we need to be doing, and and he has no credibility at this point. No. So it's like. There's nobody that's really trusted in any sort of universal way. And so what we see is, you know, everybody kind of doing whatever they think they need to do to protect themselves, which can vary from not a thing to I need to buy out Costco. Um, And you've seen, like, this kind of insanity around this of people stocking up on masks, on sanitizer, on bottled water, on Toilet paper? I don't understand that one. I don't understand that one either. I, I think my, my impression is... It's not it a neurovirus like, outbreak. 
Right. Like, I don't under like. Like, you only have very fibrous food at home when you're trapped there for some reason. I don't know. I don't um, know. But it's just kind of insane. And, like, here's, here's what drives me nuts about it is, okay, so you want to you get a, a bunch of masks because you want to protect yourself. Well, what's happening is that doesn't actually protect you all that much. Like, because, you know, droplets actually where you're most exposed are, like, in your eyes and things like that. Like, and... and Inevitably, if you have the mask on, yes, it can protect you from like random spray of things in theory, but you're also more likely to be touching the mask and adjusting it because it's uncomfortable and itchy. It's not actually helpful to you. Where it is helpful is to a person who is infected to prevent their cough from right. spraying everywhere. I don't care about them. They've already got it. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is if you buy all those masks, the person who is infected can't go buy a mask when that would actually make a lot of sense. Or the healthcare worker can't find a mask because you've already bought out the supplies. Look, if they're infected, I don't want them to think that they can go out and buy a mask. I want them to think that they right, have to right, stay at home. Yeah, just stay at home. There you go. Try I mean, with all their toilet paper. It is. It is. Also, bottled more water? Than like, like, is the theory here that the virus is going to start eating municipal water supplies? It's I, that, like, I was wondering that as well. Like, the things people are buying, they just don't know what to buy yeah. other than. Like, I've got a panic buying list someplace at home. Right. Like, and there, there are some things on the, that I've seen as suggestions that are perfectly reasonable. Like, make sure that your prescriptions are stocked up because there might be some supply chain issues. Like, if you can, you know, you know, granted, if you're like me, it's like, okay, well, I go to Walgreens and I get my, my prescription filled. And it's like, I can't get it refilled until a certain time. So there's only so far in advance of this I can right. actually get. Um, but, you know, depends on kind of, you know, how you're getting your, your drugs. But, um and, uh, and a lot of it comes down to um, at some point there's a chance that we'll have to say, all right, everybody sort of just stay at home. Let's keep this from spreading. And being able to just sort of wait that out. Like you shouldn't be getting your Grubhub orders and you're you know, taking Ubers everywhere at that point. It's like you should but be at home. They can leave the Grubhub on the porch. Yeah. And yeah. So, so look, I've now traveled the last two weeks. <laughs> And let me tell you, I'm going to back away yeah, slowly. Exactly. What that's looked like. So, were you traveling to the West Coast, perhaps? Two weeks ago, I was in San Francisco. Great, great. Like I walked out. I, I like. Fortunately, I, I'm drinking beer. Beer contains alcohol. Alcohol kills viruses. Exactly. Yes. I. Hence, I've stocked up on beer to survive this. Uh, the day after I got home, there were cases announced in Berkeley. Which yeah. is right where I was. I right. mean, like, yeah, I well, and I was in uh, Oregon and Washington, right? But I was there like a week before the timeline sort of starts. So I was like there just before, Anybody and like at this noticed. point, like I've been there, I've been gone longer than the infection period, period would have yeah. been. So like, I didn't bring it back. Hopefully, unless I'm one of those, you know, uh, those carers who doesn't express symptoms, right? So, and last week I was in D.C. Yeah. So. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I, can I can I tell you having I fly a lot and I've never seen people care as much about the cleanliness of their seat as I have. In I these think last there couple is weeks. there. You know, I will say, though, is that there is a clever strategy. in if you're flying on Southwest, getting your getting the seat you really want and then just coughing up a storm. And so nobody sits next to you. <laughs> I did. So 
again, anecdotally, I have a, a friend who just got back from Japan. Yeah. Um, and he was, he was in Japan before cases started being reported, which means they were there. They just weren't testing for it yeah. yet. He said on the way home, like one of his colleagues had a bad cold. Yeah. And they were like, nobody wanted to sit within four seats of her. Oh, yeah. Um, and then a week later, he started to feel a little sick. And he was on vacation, and he's like, I don't know what to do. I like, So they went to the hospital, and they were like, good news. You have influenza A. <laughs> like, it's merely the flu. It's merely, it's merely the flu. Um, uh. Yeah. So we're seeing uh, some economic impact from all this at this point. Um, the markets are losing their minds a little bit. And, and part of me thinks... Some of this was the markets had been in a pretty strong up movement. And, you know, there's always like a natural tendency to consolidate after a point. This kind of timed around that. So that's part of it. But the other part of it is like risks for the supply chain. Like Apple's already said that, you know, there's probably going to be some delays on. I mean, China shut down movement between cities. Yeah, they shut down in a pretty substantial way. Um, Also, the travel industry is just a disaster right now because nobody wants to fly anywhere. Everybody is canceling meetings. Um, many people I know who are involved in meeting planning or whatever yeah. have had things canceled. Um, my employer has said no non-essential travel, um, which I feel like most of our travel effectively is non-essential. Well, uh, what's funny is our, <laughs> my employer said no non-essential travel and then immediately sent emails to all the people who travel a lot and said, it, you're essential. You have to travel. Like, <laughs> Thanks, guys. Right. Appreciate it. I, well, yeah, we are seeing that. Um, I, again, my wife's uh, company is in, like, hosts conferences, and there's a lot of panic there. As, I, oh, again, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I think that there is there is a there are reasonable precautions to be yeah. taken at this point. I yeah. mean, the thing is, I think a lot of it is we do not know what we're dealing with quite yet, and so being a little aggressive now is better than not being aggressive enough. Sure, down the line. So, sure, sure, sure. Um, you and, know, like. So if you say, all right, well, for March, we're just going to simply just stop all travel and see what happens, that makes a lot of sense. Now, if you say, we're not going to travel for the rest of the year, okay, that, then, you're, then you're being a little crazy. I mean, I got to tell you, if they announced that, I would call up American Airlines and I'd be like, I'll buy it. Just let me fly my 50,000 miles for this year all well, during March. Just let me hop around. Yeah. Well, you could probably get do that uh, to Europe at this point. Apparently, so here's the thing. In Europe... They have rules around uh, there's like certain time slots that planes get for yep. flying in and out of the country. It's like s- structure everything to make sure they don't have traffic jams, et cetera. Um, if you do not fly a particular route at a sufficient enough level, they will cut your access to that route. So if you don't, you know, so like if 80% of your flights uh, aren't flying, they aren't going to keep giving you the route because you're not using it. Right. Um, because of that, they have planes that are flying without any passengers or almost no passengers and burning gas and filling our air with carbon dioxide uh, for no reason. But right. Except, yeah. to, except because of that rule. So there's probably they're probably changed that rule temporarily, but uh, it's not good. So I did hear that. And I heard that within an hour of somebody asking me to be in Norway next week. And I looked at the flights, and they were just as expensive as they always were. I was like, maybe I can you get know, a deal. I, you know what? I did the same thing. And, like, I didn't plan a trip anywhere. But I was just, like, curious. Like, how much would it cost me to fly to Rome next week? Still very expensive, as it turns out. Yeah. So, 
And, Ro- and like Italy is a hot spot. I mean, if we look at. Yeah, well, that's my thinking. I'm like, so, you know, if I could get a cheap flight to Rome next week, like, hey, why not? You know, except for I might die from a virus. So if we look at the countries, though, so outside of the U.S. Yeah. China, obviously, we've talked about a lot. South Korea, outbreak, kind of focused on a single church, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, Italy? As an atheist, I feel like I'm protected. (laughs) Not sure if that's how that works, but okay. (laughs) Italy, big outbreak, and Iran. Yeah. And so here is the thing that blows me away. I was talking to somebody here in the U.S., and he said, people are really going to get freaked out when somebody important or famous gets it right well, when somebody steve wozniak had some weird tweets about it he's like i might be patient zero did you see that but i said iran in iran like 10 percent of the parliament has it yeah and a very senior guy on a committee nobody's heard of outside of iran died from it last week so in other places <laughs> Well, related to this, um, apparently a couple people who attended uh, the APAC conference uh, had tested for COVID-19. This is, and if you're not familiar with APAC, has this big conference every year, and it, of course, a ton of politicians are there. So, like, sure. large chunks of Congress are there. Trump was there, et cetera, et cetera. So, it's entirely possible that now that will be spreading around, you know, our government. I don't know if you know this, but. On average, our government is kind of old. And the statistics we have around COVID-19 is like, if you're under the age of 50, the the effects are pretty, I mean, it's like, it's the flu. Yeah. Um, if you're over the age of 50 and then 60, and it gets worse as you get older, like the, the death rate when you're into your 80s is like up around 20%. So, you know, it, 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 it could get of. interesting. I think it also, you know, as I think we move interesting is the wrong choice of oh, words. Oh, interesting there. in the Chinese curseness of the word. Don't get me wrong. Got it. Uh, yes. Got it. Uh, so other people which are canceling ties together events, with where right? the virus came from, actually. But anyhow, moving on. Um, so other people are canceling events, like South by Southwest is canceled. Yes. And Google I/O is canceled. Yes. Yeah. So like these are major events. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times with like the hotels that are doing conferences and things like that, like they have you know, deposits and money that's committed. So it's not like they're completely screwed, but, you know, obviously the restaurants are, don't have anybody in them. They're, yeah. they're not getting all of the money they were supposed to get. But, you know, that's that's going to be a serious, that's going to cause some serious damage to them. Yeah. Um, you know, and all, ultimately all of that cascades to the economy to an extent. I don't know what percent of the economy is in that industry. But every, you know, if you only, if you got a GDP of 2% growth or whatever, then it's like, you know, how much does it take to start getting you into a recession? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. And certainly places like Las Vegas, they're going to be hit for oh, a while. Oh, you could not pay me enough money to go to a casino right now. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, no. And I lick my chips for luck. Right. Well, who doesn't? Uh, yeah, who doesn't? It is. Sometimes I wear them as, gl- you know, like sunglasses. I just yes. put them right on my eyes. Yes. Um, one thing I, I, I was kind of checking to make sure we covered everything in our show notes here. Uh, one thing we did not talk about yet is uh, there was a flight that they had to bring some infected people back from the Diamond Princess from the cruise. Diamond Princess cruise. And the CDC said, don't fly them back. 
and the Trump administration overruled that. Now, there's I've heard varying reports on whether Trump was on board with the overruling or not, but but let's not worry about that for the moment. The way it was executed was insanely stupid. So what they did was they had a 747, and if and if you're familiar with the 747, it's got the little little top part where there's like some yep. seats, and then it's got the bottom part where there's more seats, right? So they put all the infected people in the top part of the 747 and then like used a bunch of like plastic sheeting or whatever to sort of protect it from the rest of the plane. Now, actually, that probably is okay because the way air circulates in the plane yeah. or whatever, like air changes out pretty quickly, that's probably fine. Here's where it all falls apart quickly. The uh, government officials who were involved in like getting the people off the plane, interacting with them, getting them on, yeah. etc., we're not using any protective gear whatsoever. Sitting on the bottom? Presumably. Yeah. Because where else were they going to sit? I assume none of them really want to sit in the plastic sheeted section. Uh, exactly. Uh, if for no other reason that the bar cart doesn't really go through the plastic sheeting very well. So, you know, you don't want that. Oh, my God, that's terrifying. Right. That is terrifying. No bar cart. And you're a traveler, so you know these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean... This is a result of a semi-professional government, right? It is, it is the XFL. I feel like that's a generous description at this point, but right. I mean, it is, it is the result of having, you know, we have a higher number of temps in appointed positions than in any time in in the history of government. Yes, you know, people who. And we're not uh, even talking about the people who are the the unconfirmed appointee who's temporarily there. Well, that too. I mean, yeah. all of those folks. We have the highest level of turnover in non-appointed positions of any time yeah. in government. You have the highest number of vacancies in, again, non-appointed positions yeah. of any time. And if you've ever... Like and you can you can identify with this. You've ever been at a company that's maybe struggling a little bit, um, and there's a there's a high rate of turnover, and and you have people who are overworked because the people don't there are new people coming in who don't know what they're doing, or there's not enough people to do those things. You have people coming in who are still learning, and so they're making a lot of mistakes. Like yeah. that's the way our government is being yeah. run right now. Or maybe have never done those jobs. Yeah, and maybe in a lot of areas there's a, there's plenty of margin for error. Like you know, if the Social Security Administration has some sort of you know, paperwork snafu or whatever, you know, that might be a problem, but it's something you can go back and fix and, you know, okay, we, sure. we got that check wrong. Here's the new check. Fine. Uh, virus response is not something you can go back and fix no. retroactively. No, no, it's, no, no. It's either out there or it's not. Yeah, either both on, I would say, on the health side of it, which is the more important, but also on the economic side. Yes. So we've seen, you know, some kind of flailing attempts to, control the economy yeah. through rate cuts at the Fed, through, I mean, I think that's really when the president gets up and lies about what's going on. It's because he's trying to yes. Yes. calm people down. And yeah. I thought one of the best, the best analysis I heard about this was actually from Elizabeth Warren when they asked her sort of kind of a out of the blue question about, well, do you think the government can respond economically to this? And her response was, who's going to do it? What tools or levers do we have? We've already cut rates, which wasn't the right thing to do anyway. We've got a huge tax cut and a huge deficit, so we don't really have any extra cash. 
all of the people at the Fed and other institutions who would be able to fix these things are all gone. There's right. nobody there who knows what they're doing or wants to be there. How are we going to fix it? What yeah. tools do we have? Yeah. Now, I will say at least we've got uh, there's been sign off on an eight billion dollar uh, uh, spending bill to help with COVID-19 right. uh, response at this point. Uh, that bill should have been signed probably two months ago, but yeah. it was signed this hey. week. A lot of that's going for supplies, uh, yeah. gowns and masks and gloves. Once uh, a, yeah, which is great, materials. except, okay, cool, we're going to buy a bunch of supplies. From who? How, oh, they have to ramp up production to meet yeah. the demand now. Like, if you'd been doing this a month ago, then then there, then we would already be ramping up. We'd already be in a good position. But now, we're already starting from behind. Uh, so, I uh, one last thing on just sort of the overall political equation here. Uh, Rush Limbaugh's commentary on all this. And I'm loath to quote Rush Limbaugh, even though at one point in my life I thought he had the right idea. And I was wrong. Let's be clear. Long time ago. Then I had beer and it was all fine. Um, so he was saying that COVID-19 is uh, just like the common cold and not a big deal. Okay. And then also saying it is a quote-unquote CHICOM developed bioweapon. So it is both no worse than the common cold and a Chinese developed bioweapon. And, you know, and I think it's, I, and I call this out because it shows you kind of where the narrative is going to go on this. If it's not bad, they're going to say everybody overreacted and it's just, you know, it was just a cold, fine. If it is bad, they're going to say, they're going to go back to their, their roots. They're going to go to xenophobia. They're going to yeah. hammer on, this is China's fault, even though our response to it will really have had far more to do with any harm that befalls us. Um, so, yay. <laughs> so, okay. yay. Uh, so, that was fun. Uh, any, any other uh, viral uh, things you want to talk about, or have we pretty well covered it? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Don't make me talk about it. <laughs> Although anymore. I suppose we can do. We can do one last bit of bad news around this. Uh, this is our. This is our international segment. Briefly, uh, in China, there was a hotel where people who had COVID nineteen were being housed temporarily while they were being, you know, as a containment yeah. process. Um, the hotel collapsed. How bad is your luck that you not only get COVID-19, but you get put in a hotel that then has a structural failure yeah. and, and... First of all, you're already Jesus. in China. <laughs> bad thing number one. Then, hey. Uh, what are you saying? Uh, you know, China's a lovely place. Come on. It is. Okay. Uh, so that takes care of our COVID-19 segment, which... I find hilarious because last week we were both like, let's stop talking about this. And then, of course, or actually it was two weeks and it, ago. And it and got that's worse. Where we went wrong. So. And I just look at my, you know, my watch tells me stress level. <laughs> and I got to tell you, it's like, <laughs> what are you doing right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. So, look, it's a big day for us. We have a first today. Today is our first brewery outside of the city of Chicago. Ooh, yes it is. So uh, 
We are at the Sketchbook Brewery, uh, just over the border into Evanston, uh, which isn't really that far from Chicago. But it's not Chicago. Luckily, uh, the border restrictions for COVID-19 haven't been put in place, so we right. got to yes, cross Yes, we did not have papers. to go through the checkpoints yet. That's good. Uh, no checkpoints, but we're here at Sketchbook. It's a place I've been wanting to go for a while. I've had their beers a few different places in the city and have really liked it. And I was talking to people, you know, about, wow, we've been to like 28 different breweries in the city and like, where should we go? And people are like, you should go to Sketchbook. It's pretty close and it's really good. And we're here. Yep. And it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's true. And uh, when I first came in, it was pretty quiet, but uh, there's kind of a late afternoon crowd filling in now and it's... uh, getting pretty busy uh they've got some games here if you want to play games uh and the beer is good uh i had uh i started with their strawberry berliner weiss and it was excellent and uh, now i'm having the amistosa which is a mexican style lager that's delicious like i i took a sip of it i'm like oh like it's very good yeah uh, if, and, yeah, and i would let you try some ej except you've been traveling and probably are infected that's with true yes so. oh no no I, it's like callback to COVID-19. I've decided either I've already been exposed or I'm never going to be exposed. Right. <laughs> so maybe I've got it now. So I've, uh, I had the No Parking, which is the Citra Pale Ale. Uh, really clean, really nice. Like, just a, a good, solid ale. And I've just now had a couple sips of their uh, New England-style insufficient clearance which i think is named after the bridge that's right here by where they are on on chicago uh chicago street up in in evanston there's a bridge for the metro that often gets hit by trucks oh so there you go i'm assuming that's the name for it Um, again just a really cool space kid friendly i think it looks like they're gonna have big doors they open it up when it's a little warmer no dogs here unfortunately we tend to be at dog places. Yeah, but I think get dogs are allowed. There just don't happen to be any here today. So, uh, and it's a it's a nice day. Like they're not, it's not like it's nice enough to have the the windows open. But you know, it's sunny and like it's actually we're starting to starting to cross yeah. into maybe we're in spring. So it's kind of nice. It's a weekend here in Chicago, yeah. uh, uh, Evanston. Everybody's having a good time. So, like if you're on the north side, if you're in Evanston, you've got to come to Sketchbook. I mean, the fact that they do a great lager. And a great ale is something to be proud of. Great, great stuff. Okay. So that's our beer, which brings us to Circus. The Circus. Election Circus 2020. Um, I feel like I, I might have to change up the Circus 2020 theme to have more of a... More of a uh, a minor key. So <laughs> like it's this true. week has just been. So I only just realized that South Carolina voted one week ago. So like a week ago, the narrative was Sanders seems to be in control. Yeah. The moderate lane is very clogged with candidates. Bloomberg might be buying his way in. Warren had a good debate, and she might finally start to show that in, in her election results. Everything was looking like this might be pretty good from my perspective. Right. Well, or at least 
things were going to be going on. It's going to be very muddled. Yeah, like there, you know, still lots of, you know, who knows? We're going to the convention. Could be crazy. Hard to say. Uh, and yet. And yet, no. Here we are. So, South Carolina, there was a big endorsement from, from Clyburn. Yeah. Who is a major power in South Carolina politics, has a lot of influence. He's, um, the, my, he's the majority whip. Yes. In Congress. And all suspicion was that, um, you know, he would endorse Biden. Uh, and, and it appears to have had a tremendous effect and really boosted his, you know, his numbers in South Carolina. At least that's kind of the impression of what, what had happened. So, and, he com- yeah, and Biden all along. And here's something I'd like to note that last year on spring break, my spring break, Biden had not entered the race. Yes. There was still a discussion, will Biden enter the race? So we've been talking about this for a year. Yeah. And since he entered the race. Yes, the campaign Camaro had not been gassed up yet. Not yet. Um, And he was aiming at South Carolina as being his first important state. Yes. From the moment he announced. And we finally got there. And it absolutely changed everything. I mean, it Um, was a drubbing. Yeah, he did. He dominated in South Carolina. Uh, what followed in that week was Buttigieg had a conversation with Obama and uh, Jimmy Carter. Oh, and Jimmy Carter. I didn't even know about that. Uh, and decided to drop out and endorse Biden. And, and so, well, but let's just talk about let's let's talk. It was Biden got forty eight percent of the vote. Bernie was second at twenty. Tom Steyer was third at 11. Yes. And and the reason I, you know, first of all, winning by 30 points over your closest rival is a huge margin. Yeah. Now, to be clear, it was always expected he would win there. It was the, the, the scale of the win, but also the timing of it. Because you had... Iowa, where Buttigieg had done well. You had yeah. New Hampshire, where Klobuchar had done done well. Klobuchar. Uh, you Klobuchar. had Nevada, where Sanders crushed it. But there was no clear path where Buttigieg was going to really get a lot more votes or Klobuchar was going to get a lot more votes. And so the natural timing of things was Biden showed strength there, and there was not any obvious path or any reason for Buttigieg or Klobuchar to keep hanging around. And so they both dropped out, and they both endorsed Biden. Well, Tom Steyer dropped out. and St- uh, Yeah, and Tom Steyer dropped out. Buttigieg dropped out. Klobuchar dropped out. And it is weird for candidates to I forgot Steyer was running, so that's on me. But. Hey, man, he finished <laughs> third in South Carolina. He put all his money into that and not dancing lessons so that he could back that ass you know, up with Juvenile on stage <laughs> if you so have bad. not seen Here's the Tom thing. Steyer. Here's my feelings on that. Like, I thought his dancing was okay. Like, he showed some basic built rhythm. But here's what's wrong with it. If he had done that in Nevada or New Hampshire or Iowa as well, we're cool. He's just the dancing candidate. I respect that. The fact that he only did in South Carolina is like, True. okay, now you're pandering. What are you doing? Like that, you, you can't do that. So yeah, I, yeah. So to have candidates 
So also, I would vote for the dancing candidate, to be clear. <laughs> wow. So if you think about it, it's Saturday, the results, Saturday night, the results comes in, come in. Yes. People start dropping out Sunday morning. Monday, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, former candidate and Texas happy guy Beto O'Rourke are there in Texas with Biden endorsing him on yes. stage. Yes. And Beto finished the night. So at their big rally, Beto closed it out in Spanish. Yes. That kind of turnaround and coalescing like has never happened. Like candidates don't usually like I'm out and that guy rules. Yeah. Like it is it was insane. It yeah. was insane the way that everything pivoted. Joe Biden is not any better a candidate. You know, after winning in South Carolina, a state he, you know, he, well, he put thing, a lot of like, money into. It's so fascinating about the way this all plays out is because like Every state has their own electorate with their own issues and, and everything, but there's also this notion of momentum and 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 and, and none of it is is real, but it is. Like right. and so, you know, all that momentum shift in those few days made everybody think, well, Biden's got this, and very much shifted the way everybody voted. Um, Warren had a pretty bad Super Tuesday. Uh, ended we'll, up we'll get to that. Okay. Okay. I thought we were there. All I don't right. want to get to that. Um, I'm still in denial. That's why I don't want to get okay. to it. Uh, yes. Oh, we do need to talk about Jill Biden's uh, mad uh, uh, wrestling skills. I do. I do want to talk about Jill Biden's <laughs> mad wrestling skills um, because I think she's now, that's like the, Joe Biden's best asset. I, but, but that turnaround, right? So, so we go into Super Tuesday. Biden sucked in Iowa, sucked in New Hampshire, sucked in Nevada, crushes it in South Carolina. So then you've got Super Tuesday that has states that should be good for him. Alabama, Arkansas, for sure. Maybe, you know, maybe Oklahoma, but Oklahoma should be, you know, like Warren has ties there. You know, you've got Tennessee should be good for Biden. Texas seemed up in the air. He comes in and wins Alabama by almost 40 points. It's a big number. Arkansas by 19 points. Sanders wins California, which everybody was focused on. But Sanders only won California and the results probably the results well we still don't, yeah, aren't we still in don't yet. know yeah it's, it's but it's still only 13 points different yeah right so that's you know sanders also won colorado 36% so like 12 points yeah and he showed a lot of strength amongst uh, latino voters um, but in california he showed enough strength to like you know he took he had a decent margin there but did not show that same kind of strength in texas and biden was ultimately in the lead in in texas yeah, I think Biden won Texas by by four and a half points. Yeah. So, and the reason I bring this up, um, I will say uh, Sanders did win Utah. Colorado. Yeah, by a big margin. Utah was his biggest margin. Uh, Colorado by 12 points. 
Sanders did not win any state by anywhere near the margins that Biden won his. Oh, Texas yeah, no. was the only close yeah. state. Um, and and when I look at the Super Tuesday results, the, the ones that jump out, Massachusetts, right? So Warren got 22% of the vote. Yeah. She's the senator there. Like everybody, and, and her favorability in Massachusetts, like 82% or right, something but like it's, that. It's, but it, at a point, it becomes strategic voting. Is like, do people believe that she has a path to the nomination and then and then they go to somewhere else and they go to they you know depending on their personal take on things they go to Biden or they go to uh, go to Bernie. Well, and and this is the I suspect that there was a moment in Super Tuesday where the Warren and Sanders campaigns looked at Massachusetts and both said <laughs> bleep that out or don't but <laughs> because Warren wasn't wasn't pulling the votes that she needed to. Yeah. And Sanders didn't get them. Yeah. So, you know, and one of the things that I'll be I'm curious to know and I'll probably never know is what Warren's theory was going into Super Tuesday, because on Super Tuesday, she was in Michigan. So she's like already playing for the next major Uh, set of votes, which are coming up Tuesday. We'll get to that. Um, And we know that uh, while she had uh, said a lot against uh, PACs, you know, getting involved in campaigns, uh, she had Persist PAC helping to fund her campaign towards the end into Super Tuesday. So the impression I'm left with is that they felt they had a path forward at that point. But apparently they didn't. And I think a lot of it was let us plan on, you know, trying to leverage as much of the vote as we can, assuming that the debate went well and we hadn't had a chance to really see that play out in the election yeah. yet. Um, but it, it just didn't it didn't pan out. Well, and, and I know from their internal some internal stuff there, they felt like they were viable in the majority of congressional districts in the Super Tuesday states. Yeah. So they felt like they were going to get a bunch of delegates coming out of there. Yeah. Um, you know, again, they weren't expecting, they were expecting to win Massachusetts, maybe Oklahoma, yeah. and really pull well other places. And that, well, that and I think happen. it I think I mean, reflects that everybody is far more concerned about what happens in November. And there's everybody's all about strategic voting and I'm going to back this person over this person because that's who I want or that's who I think is the best chance in November. You know, if you don't, you know, and I think that Warren hadn't shown anything in South Carolina that suggested she was on a comeback. And so people were like, I'm just going to go vote for somebody else. Well, uh, well, especially after everybody else drops out. Yeah. Right. The, I don't think enough could be said or you could not overstate what happens when every other moderate candidate just deuces. I'm yeah, out. well, you know, and I think that's the thing is like looking at it unfold in real time, it looked like, you know, oh, there's these big shifts and whatever. But fundamentally, all of the premise about Sanders having an advantage really came down to 
the, the, the centrist or moderate, however you can describe it, that part of the vote being fractured across multiple candidates. Yes. There was always an understanding that if all those candidates got on the same page, they have more votes. Right. And so it's not like, it's not like, I think what's funny about all this is like, we're not in a different place than where we started. No, no, like, that's you just You go it. back to a year when ago. all this, yeah, you go back a year and what do we have? Biden first, Sanders second. Right. What and do everybody now, said like Biden first, Sanders second. Well, before I, Biden was in, they were saying like, well, if Biden gets in, he's really got that centerist lane. I want my time back that I spent watching debates. I, except for the one except for the one for Vegas because that was an excellent debate and I enjoyed watching Warren shred Bloomberg. But otherwise <laughs> I feel like it's a total waste of my time. Could you imagine if you're listening to the podcast? So, so let's say you're one of our listeners. You're on the train right now. You're listening to that, this, and you're saying, you want your time back, wait, Steve? Wait. First of all, rate us on iTunes. Yeah, thank you. Second of all, <laughs> like you want your time back, Steve? I would like <laughs> my time back for listening to all of the, well, maybe Buttigieg is going to put something together. Because we talked about it at the beginning. Like, if Biden gets in, he's got the inside track. He's just got to not screw up. Yep. Now here we are after you know him. He, has, he hasn't screwed up yet. <laughs> I mean, no, he screwed up plenty, but didn't screw it up enough. Let's yeah, put it just that not way. in the right or wrong ways. So, so we get yeah. out of there. So that was one week. Yeah, Bloomberg <laughs> drops out. Yes, Bloomberg dropped out, and thank God. I will say again, though, I did see a Bloomberg 2020 sign. Somebody's really? yard today. I hope they were paid for that. I mean, I, I can only assume that they were paid yes. for that. All right. I, I can only assume that they were paid to do that. But in somebody's yard, actually, it was kind of flat on the ground. It wasn't up anymore, but Bloomberg dropped out. So it was kind of like a metaphor for his debate performance. <laughs> I mean, I, I, think, I think you made some notes about, you know, Bloomberg spent... Five hundred million dollars. Yes, give or take. Give or take. Which he got, and he got sixty-one delegates. So he paid eight million dollars per delegate, <laughs> which means he could have bought the election for sixteen billion dollars. Jeff Bezos, if you're listening, <laughs> rate, rate us, us on, on iTunes. iTunes. <laughs> Then now you although, know. Although, you know, they're more of a Amazon, or excuse me, uh, more of a Android shop, I think. So rate us on Google Play. Do yeah. they have dirt ratings there? I don't know that Amazon has their own podcast network, but we could help kick it off. There so, you go. So We're very affordable. It is. It blows me away how much money you spent on, on the race. Yeah. And if you look at the polling numbers for Bloomberg are... Matterhorn-like. They're like flat, oh, yeah, they yeah. go straight up, and they go straight down. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then, of course, he's like, well, I'm just going to endorse Biden. Sure. Why did you spend Why that money? Why did you just do that in the first place? Were there, spend there your $500 anything else million, you could I mean, do? I, I, don't, I, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. I really don't understand. Then, of course, Warren dropped out a day later. Um, which really means I, yeah, Tulsi Gabbard's still in the race, in theory. 
And and in fairness, in fairness to both Mike Bloomberg and Tulsi Gabbard, because <laughs> we're always fair to Mike Bloomberg and Tulsi, and Tulsi Gabbard. Gabbard, they finished one two in American Samoa. Uh, yes, my theory on that is uh, Bloomberg was the only camp. He had the only campaign that could afford the airfare to send people to American Samoa, and therefore he won. And I guess Prux, you know, it's like neighboring state thing, right, for Tulsi? Well, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I, I, like there was, I had some conversation about like she has like her family heritage comes from, I don't know. But yes, she got one, one delegate. One delegate. Uno. Which I think is the only delegate she's gotten, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Yeah. So, yes. so she's still in it. So She's going to have to like really work hard to stage a comeback at this point. But <laughs> So Warren drops out. Yes. Uh, I got to say, personally, that was very difficult. And a lot of people I know, very difficult for them. Um, it's, it's not, it's, and it's not surprising, given the last month, especially. But it still hurts. Well, and it's funny because, like, following the ebb and flow of all of this, like, it became clear to me that Warren didn't have a path. Like, as we started to get, like, once we got past Nevada and, you know, we're, like, heading to South Carolina, like, it didn't look like, like, even before people started dropping out and endorsing Biden, it, like, it was like, I don't see how she's got a path to win this. And so I felt like I was kind of over that and moving on, we're on to the next thing and my, you know, my progressive leanings tend me towards Sanders at that point and I'm like, okay, that's clearly the path forward. But then when she, like, but then when it happened and then she dropped out, it was, I was still like this. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was exactly I mean, so I, and I think their theory so their original theory of the case was there should be somebody between the progressive and moderate parts of the Democratic Party. Yeah. And that's Elizabeth Warren, right? Like, Yeah, and had it played out that a bunch of people are getting delegates, they're all sticking around to the convention, you know, on the sort of prisoner's dilemma of last one to drop out wins, um, that they get to the convention and then she becomes the obvious choice to be like, we're going to bring the party together around one person. Yes. And... And that was their theory <laughs> until everybody dropped out. I wish we were on that timeline where that happens. But I think that timeline doesn't have Trump on it either. So No. Oh, well. And this is the thing that is that I keep coming back to. Everybody's terrified. Everybody's terrified. And if you don't think that that terror, you know, played into the terror from COVID-19, right? They're afraid of Trump. They're afraid of another four years of that. They're afraid of, like, some crazy virus. And they're like, we're going to find the safest person right now. And and I think that drove a lot of people on Super Tuesday. Yeah. Um, you hear a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, Elizabeth Warren's my first choice. And I'm terrified. So I'm going to go with the old white guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, it's like we went back to 2016 and we're like, that didn't work out. But if we merely had more penises involved, everything else is fine. Like, okay. No? <laughs> that's one theory. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's one theory. I mean, that's what's sad. Is like, I mean, basically, like, you look at it like, all right, you know, Biden has potential corruption-seeming scandal, even though I know it's BS. Um, 
he's he's old he's got a questionable policy history like i mean really his major distinction from clinton is the fact that he's a, he's a guy and like obama's vice president yeah and maybe that and maybe that's the difference yeah i mean when it when it comes down to it if somebody said if you just said taking the candidates as people out of it and said to win we we lost in 2016 because we didn't get enough people out in a few states and if you said you have a choice of getting people of color out or young people out either one of those paths can be a path to victory nobody wants donald trump to win right like that's the other thing right and so you hear people like saying like oh you're just doing this because like no 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 like i think i think Everybody involved in both campaigns has the same ultimate goal, but they have completely different views of how to get there. For sure. And, you know, we're at the point where, you know, Biden drove some good turnout from African-Americans yep. uh, in those states. And we're going to see it again. And, and we'll talk about Florida and Georgia here coming up and Michigan. Um Bernie did not turn out young voters. Yeah. The I mean, one thing well, he said he was going to be able to do. You know, but here's the thing I think that's important to think about is he did not turn out young voters. However, he also had a lot more competition for young voters in this election than he did last time. Not on he Super had, Tuesday. He had, he had, well, but, okay, so let me, let me explain my theory. So there's, there was Yang who had a lot of appeal with younger voters. There was Beto who had a lot of appeal with younger voters. And I think that with younger voters, there's not a sense of I'm invested in this primary, in this process. There's more of a sense of I like this person. Yeah. And so once that person's gone, it's like, cool, I'm out. And so, so Sanders wasn't able to get those voters because they aren't like, I'm going to, oh, well, that guy's out. Shift so now I'm going to yeah. follow to the next person because I'm still invested in this process. Right. Their first thought isn't I need to vote. Their first thought is, I like that guy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There's, a, there's much more of a, you know, and I, I'm not a young voter, as it turns out, so maybe I'm I misunderstanding the dynamics of this, but I think that's, that feels like it makes a certain amount of sense. Now, part of the other issue is that last time Sanders was the only non-Hillary Clinton candidate, practically speaking. I mean, there were, yeah. there were three other candidates at one point, but none of them really... Sure. I can't remember the like names. Bill I remember one of them talking Donald about Trump. killing a person on stage. It was fascinating. Uh, but <laughs> uh, he did not kill a person on stage. I mean, he talked about killing a person while on stage. Let's be clear. Commas are important. Um, <laughs> Eats, shoots, and leaves. Yes, exactly. Uh, but this time, like, he didn't have the anti-Clinton vote to sort of galvanize behind him because there were 30 other candidates. Um, you know, so I think it's it's hard to compare the dynamics of how he did in 2016 versus 2020 and who he appeals to and who he doesn't for whatever reasons. So that's where we find ourselves. Yeah, and I think one of the things that was really interesting to me was after Nevada, I thought that Bernie Sanders might kind of pivot a little bit and talk about 
and do something to try to consolidate. Try to have a more unifying tone. Just try to consolidate and, things. Yeah. And he didn't do it. And I wonder if his campaign may just struggle to, to be a front runner. Like, they just may feel more comfortable as we're behind, we're, you know, fighting against things. Well, I and think he's been, I mean, so much of his career has been I'm fighting against something that if he is the leader, how do you change to that? Yeah. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to be ahead. Um, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult switch. And, I, like, you know, coming out of Elizabeth Warren dropping out of the race and seeing people say, like, well, she needs to endorse Bernie because he's the only progressive person. And, you know, she... Uh, I, I, and, and you look at that. I'm so frustrated with, like, listening to... There's, like, several podcasts I follow of people who are Sanders supporters, and hearing them talk about the situation at this moment is extremely frustrating. So Warren had an interview with Rachel Maddow that you should you should watch because it's yeah, really good. It, it is it is um, really good, and especially that, when she's like, I loved killing Bloomberg. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was beautiful. Like, like Maddow's like, did you try to take out Bloomberg deliberately? She's like, yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um but she got into a bit about Sanders and the tone of his campaign and the tone of his supporters. And and the things that I, you come away with are, one, that, sh that there was something distinctly worse about his campaign in that way. And that, two, when she pressed him on it, he didn't really seem to be willing to address it. And... And if you're a Sanders supporter listening to this, first of all, rate us on iTunes. You'll probably give me a one star at this point. But, like, I feel like there's there's occasionally been Sanders saying, and this is only in the last couple of weeks, saying, hey, my supporters, cool it. But there's never been any culture set from the top down saying, we have to push back against that. Yeah. And... And when I listen to a pro-Sanders group talking about this on a podcast, they're all like, well, they should just get on board because, you know, th because progressive policies are important and Sanders is the big biggest supporter for them. While simultaneously saying, oh, well, Warren is a Machiave Machiavellian person who yeah. was, you know, playing on gender politics. Like, you can't do both of these things at the same time. You have to decide... Do I want to include like, people? Even if you believe that to be the case, that a lot of that was a deliberate ploy on her part, you gotta, you got to back that off and say, hey, you know, we want, we're open to this. We want you on board. What can we do? Yeah. And I don't see any of that happening. It, it, is, it is a thing for me when somebody said, like, what does it mean for Elizabeth Warren dropping out? Like, to me... I feel like we actually have lost the only candidate with empathy and compassion. And I don't see that from either of the other candidates or from their campaigns. Yeah. And and that is the thing that strikes me the most. Yeah. You know, what we have now in our president he says just biting his tongue is the antithesis of compassion yes. and understanding yes and in our our fear of something we've not decided to rally behind somebody 
who is compassionate, who is understanding, um, who has empathy. I, I, I believe in a lot of the things that Bernie Sanders says. I do not believe he's a particularly empathetic or compassionate person. Yeah. You know, I, this is the way he wants to do things, and it's his opinion, and he can be that way, and that's okay. Yeah, and, and I think there's a the, the tone I get is we believe the right things, and you need to get on board with what are the right things. I get, I mean, and here's the thing. I really do get the the value of being committed to your principles and saying this yes. is what's important to oh, me. Oh, absolutely. But there's also a value to, not, and you don't have to compromise your principles. It's a matter of reaching out to people and, and, and wanting them on board with you in a way that I feel like doesn't happen enough. And I, you know, and, yeah. I, and, and I will say, like, l- l- let me qualify everything I have just said for the last five minutes with the fact that it depends on the, per- the person. I've, I've seen some supporters oh, who, oh, are, who are much more of a like, hey, we want you on board. And I've seen a, and other supporters who are like, let me get out my snake emojis and call you a liar and move on. And so, you know, and so there is both. Damn snake emojis. Damn snake emojis. Uh, you know, actually, as it turns out, uh, the snake emoji played a very large uh, role in uh, Kennedy's election uh, when he was running against Nixon. It wasn't the TV thing. It was the snake emojis. Yeah, they actually, but they were hand-drawn. Yes. They passed them yes. out. Yes. They would take pictures of them with a Polaroid camera, hand them around. Wow. <laughs> wow. So... So, it's tough, man. We're, and we're, now we're, yeah. we're, we're down really to two candidates. Yeah. Um, in a few days, March the 10th, we've got another big, It's it's. I've heard it called Great Tuesday. I've heard it called Mini Super Tuesday, Mini which sounds Tuesday. more like Tuesday, but yeah. whatever. Normal uh, Tuesday. There are uh, Idaho, Michigan, yeah. Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, and Washington State. Yeah. Uh, Michigan, Washington State being the two, uh, the the bigger ones there. Um, I think Bernie Sanders won Michigan in, in 2016, 2016. Yes, and he also won Washington too. by a, a but huge they were margin. a caucus at the time too, yes. so that changes things a little bit. And they are not, which is good because the COVID nineteen is See their saying don't leave the house, so um, they're mail in mostly now. Yeah, um, Michigan is a huge state. It's a huge state. It's a state that Hillary Clinton. Uh, Lost in the primary, did not campaign in, lost by 14,000 votes in the general. Yeah. Uh, and where African-American turnout in Michigan in 2016, somebody please fact check me on this, but I think it was down 34 or 36 percent. So there you go. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a really big deal. Uh, the week after that, uh, of course, the most important, uh, March 14th, Guam and Northern Mar- uh, I'm sorry, Guam is... Is Republican uh, Northern Mariana? Uh, it's probably <laughs> some people. Uh, and then March seventeenth. I love the notion that there's an island that's entirely Republicans. That's what that sounded Just like. <laughs> not even like eight people. Right. Uh, March seventeenth is. It's a small number, but an interesting number. Um, it's St. Patrick's Day. Yes. So, are you taking that day off? I am planning to take that day off. Yes. Me too. Okay. Uh, I was going to take it off to go do stuff for Elizabeth Warren, 
But I think we should just go to a bar and record a podcast. Yes, that day. I think okay. so too. There you go. Uh, but we've got Arizona, pivotal state in the general. Florida, pivotal state in the general. Illinois, it's going to vote for the de- Democrat no matter who it is. Right. Ohio, pivotal state in the general. Um, Arizona, rapidly changing demographics. Uh, a, a larger Latinx population. Florida, large African American population. Big changes since the amendment to allow people with felonies to vote again, which is a big deal. Illinois is going to be a battleground in this primary no matter what. We've got a lot of delegates, big populations, very diverse. And Ohio, breadbasket. Like, you know, I have to say, I wish that election had happened at the beginning of the cycle because I feel like, okay, we're seeing like what a bunch of the swing states are doing. Like, where, who do they back? That would have been a much more interesting way of doing things, but... But could that you imagine if sense. Iowa was re- were replaced by Arizona, Florida, Illinois, Iowa, Ohio? Literally no, because I mean, that's it, not the world we live in. It would wrong be timeline. Fucking wrong timeline. Um, so I think, you know, if Biden wins Michigan by a good margin, it'll be very hard to stop him. Oh, yeah. No, I think I think... I mean, honestly, at this point, like if you look at like 538's projections, which I think you should just because if you want to see what a seismograph looks like, that's pretty much what you got because it's it's been all over the place. Uh, But uh, nobody has dropped quite a bit. Uh, Biden has taken over at this point. So it's showing him as an 88 (laughs) percent chance of having a majority of of delegates. I mean, that that 538 forecast is hilarious. Yes. Um, for a number of reasons, but even more so if you listen to Nate Silver defend it and talk about, well, well calibrated forecast is going to like, I mean, it just, I, I think he's right. I think he's correct. And I, what I think is funny is that if you had his forecast start back in like January of last year and you did the regression line of it, it would be flat. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like Biden, Bernie. Biden, Biden Bernie. Bernie. Okay. But the, the whole last week, and a lot of that I think has to do with the model probably didn't anticipate people dropping out in well, with the like, rapidity that just, they did. It's weird data to model is all it boils yeah. down to. So, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Gar- and this is pretty much garbage <laughs> that's our that's our political system in a nutshell i feel like sometimes but so if you've skipped to the end of this and you've heard it's all pretty much garbage <laughs> i would say you've got the gist yes it's all pretty much garbage so um, next debate uh the ides of march the 15th yes great song vehicle yeah by the so ides we're march. gonna you know and i think you know sanders is in a very tough spot right now because it's like he's kind of falling behind this Tuesday election's not looking good for him at this point. That's his first chance to really make a statement to kind of push back yeah. against things. Um, and it will be a head-to-head. It's, you know, as much as uh, Gabbard is still theoretically running for office, uh, she is not going to be on the debate stage. It will be Biden and Bernie. Okay, so we've got Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Washington coming up. Uh Rapid fire predictions. Idaho, go. Potatoes in a landslide. Potatoes win. Michigan. Cars in a landslide. 
Right, I think Biden by two points in Michigan. Mississippi. Rivers in a river. I don't know. what Biden by 35 <laughs> points. You know what? Missouri. I, I, you know what? I just don't care. I really don't. <laughs> like, we're going to find out. And, and, and really, the election is right now in a certain direction. Yeah. The question at this point becomes, how does Biden do in a debate performance one-on-one? Does that shift what's going to happen in the states that follow? It's the, the, the ele- and, and also, um, does Warren endorse at this point? That's, I think, a big thing that could shift things, depending on who she endorses and how she does it. I suspect she will not endorse at this point. Nothing has given me a signal that she's going to. But, you know, hey, I thought Bernie was uh, leading things a week ago. So who the hell knows? <laughs> I, and, and I'll say this. Like, I hope she does not endorse. I think all signs point to her not endorsing. I hope she does whatever gives her the most leverage to get yes. things done that she thinks are important. Uh, one of the things I really liked was uh, I saw an article that said, Give Elizabeth Warren control of the Democratic platform. I, I support that. Yeah. Um, um, I, you so know what? And actually, let me, let me pause for a second. Um, we're, we are both Warren supporters. Uh, we are also both dudes. And um, in the last day or two, as, as all of this has, has unfolded, um, I know a lot of the women that I know who weren't necessarily uh, vocally Warren supporters, um, but were really hurt by, like, there was a lot of angst in the last couple of days around that. And so I uh, just wanted to recognize that. And, like, yeah. as much as it sucks for me, I'm, I, you know, I'm the, the white male patriarchy, so, you know, I'll get over it. But And I, I think that that... There's not enough that can be said, although Elizabeth Warren, I think, said it really well. What do we say to the, you know, all of the, for all the pinky swears, you know, and all of the, all of the girls who have to wait another four years at least. Yeah. And, you know, I personally believe uh, that our government suffers because we don't trust women to lead it. And, and, and again, again, I was a Warren supporter. I, my wife ran for office. Um, I, I think all of those things, you know, I look at it and say, we have to get over our fear to do the thing that's going to be best for everybody. Also, I'd kind of like to move to Finland, where the entire government is women. They're going to go to a four-day <laughs> right. work week. Right. Uh, but oh, which actually th- what, uh, they were thinking it- about people's well-being as opposed to the stock market. What's most important? Right. Uh, trending in the last day or two has been uh, people suggesting Warren should be a Senate majority leader. I love the thought of both of Warren leading the Senate, Pelosi leading the House, like, that would be great. Yeah. Um, but I also heard some people saying, like, well, let's let's push back on that. Like, what does she want to do? Like, let's not yeah. push things on her. So, you know, we'll see. Um, but I, I really, I would, I mean, I see her as sort of the, you know, the lion of the Senate at this point. You know, the the follow-on to Ted Kennedy and from Massachusetts. Blood and teeth, and, man. 
Blood and teeth. Blood and teeth. There we go. So that's uh, that sucked. Okay. <laughs> 45 seconds on Illinois, tying everything together. Early voting began on Super Tuesday, so I hope nobody went out on Super Tuesday and went to vote. Um, we are going to release. An I episode. went on very mediocre Wednesday to vote. There you so go. There you go. That was it. Was very mediocre. Uh, we we will release something about all of the things you're interested in, all of the sub circuits, the water reclamation district. Woo! Because um, there are a lot of important votes you've got to take here in the next couple weeks. Uh, so there's that. Also, COVID nineteen. Uh, there's a, yes, a teacher so, from CPS. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, so there's, you know, and and ultimately, you know, children seem to be less affected by it. I mean, they can spread it, but they don't aren't harmed by it in the same way that older people are. Um, but yeah, let us be clear. Children are petri dishes with legs. So, uh, so good luck, everybody. Yeah. So in the, just a little more detail under that, uh, somebody from uh, a north side high school. Uh, was on a cruise ship in California with lots of other people who were infected. Okay. She's now come back and been in school. Um, so I'll tell you that I got a very comforting phone call, robo call from CPS yesterday <laughs> about this. So it's a thing. It's... Uh, it's a thing to be thinking about, so, I guess. Yeah, so once again, everybody... Wash your hands. Wash your 20 hands. seconds. Soap and water. Sing happy birthday twice. Sing happy birthday twice. Uh, or uh, the Star Trek, like the intro, like to boldly go thing. That's also about 20 seconds. Ah. You can then continue the theme if you wish to, but you'll probably need more like hand lotion because your hands are going to get a little dried out doing it that way. Uh, are we talking about the original or next generation? It's the same. It's not. We'll let that one slide. Oh, it is slightly different. You're right. <laughs> the next generation. Good point. <laughs> and on that nerdy note, I think we'll leave you for this week. Actually, no. We've got one last thing. One last thing. In our show notes, we have one thing. What are you going to do now? So the election seems to be winding down. So EJ... What are you going to do now? Well, I got to tell you, I'm going to focus uh, a lot of my energy on a few local candidates um, on the fair tax amendment yes. in November um, and figuring out how Which to support. Which has some good polling, by the way. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like we have a super majority of people who are on board with it right it, now. It does look good. Um, but also uh, trying to figure out a way to support some Senate candidates. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't decided who I'm voting for in the primary. I have a definite lean. Um, I don't I, see me expending a lot of energy knocking doors for a presidential candidate, both either in the primary or in the general. Yeah. Um, I would love to. I, I, I really wish that I could. I also think that there are some other causes that are... I'm I think be there are places where the, the value for the energy spent is better. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about you? Uh, similar. Uh, I have already voted in our election. I voted on Mediocre Wednesday. Uh, I'm not going to get into who I voted for. But um, 
really at this point going forward, I'm I'm going to be focused on down ballot races, uh, maybe doing some like sending postcards to voters and some yeah. of those things where you can really like I feel like have a little more value. Uh, but you know we'll see. Um, We'll right see. now, like, I think we're both kind of bummed. <laughs> and, uh, but I think, you know, by the time we get to November, we know what we're doing. We know who's, who we have to vote for. And we are going to do everything we can to make sure that uh, Trump goes away. Yes. Uh, <laughs> from your mouth to the God you don't believe in's ear. That's right. May, may we be on the correct timeline once again. Exactly. That's more Star Trekky. Anyway, thanks everybody for joining us this week. Uh, if you've heard us here in Evanston and you're driving back to Iowa, thanks for listening. We see you. Take we'll care. We'll see everybody. you next week. Bye bye. Bye.